Well, a good morning once again. Like we said, there are going to be some hiccups. Uh, we got a message that said, you guys couldn't hear me when I was talking. And I hope we fix that now. Please, somebody let us know on Facebook if we fix that. Can we hear me? I hope so. Well, they can hear me in here. Our uh, wonderful crowd of volunteers. It takes a lot of volunteers to run a church. No, it actually does. But uh, um, pastor is a way for those of you who are new to watching this. Maybe you ne- don't know anything about New Hope Talmadge. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm the associate pastor here. Pastor Todd is away, has been away, uh, taking care of his mom down in Florida. Um, they're going to be heading back, I believe, next Sunday, so please be in prayer for them as they head back. And once again, we just want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in here today. Uh, Me and Pastor talked a few times this week about what today was going to look like, and so a lot of thought went into it, and last night we made some decisions, so me and Allie were here last night making sure to try and put the final touches on everything. So again, thank you for bearing with us. Um, If for some reason you can't hear well, you can't see well, we will be posting the audio later like we do every week on our website, our podcast site. You can find us on Spotify when you search New Hope Talmadge. You can find us on iTunes podcast when you search New Hope Talmadge, or you can go straight to our Facebook page, find the link there, or also on our website, newhopetalmadge.com. There's a listen in tab. So today we are going to be in the book of Matthew. So go ahead and turn with us today into Matthew. Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter, let me see, 14. So Matthew chapter 14. So today, took look back at some of my stuff that I've done, and we're going to be talking on why does our faith fail. This message is for anybody who has ever slipped or failed or fallen anywhere in your faith. Or maybe you started something and you didn't quite finish it. If you have never fallen in your faith, if you have never slipped up, if you have never questioned your faith just a little bit, then this message is not for you. Can we hear me okay? Or is somebody saying we can't? Yeah. Yeah, we can't figure that out. It's the glare, yeah, it's the glare from the window behind us, so we tried opening the blinds, we tried closing the blinds, again, we're going to have some hiccups this week, I'm going to be in here looking at some other things to see what we can do, but again, why does our faith fail? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day, we thank you for the sun that is shining, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the opportunity that even though we may not all be here in the church together, that we can still tune in, we can still open up your word, we can still worship. Father God, be with me today as I bring forth this message. Speak through me. 
Let me be used as a vessel for you. In your holy name, amen. So today the passage of Scripture, like I said, comes from Matthew chapter 14. And what it is, it's when Peter walks on water. And Jesus walks on water. One of the great miracles of the Bible. And a lot of people will look at this passage and say, well, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. That's the problem. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and everything will be okay. Well, we're also going to address a little contradictions in this passage. It's not really as easy as it looks on the surface. First of all, if you're going to talk about Peter, you're going to be talking about a walking, talking contradiction right there. We can't really judge Peter and say, well, Peter didn't have it all together. You know, I don't know if you've ever played the game headbands, but there's also a version for your phone. And what it is, is you put a little headband on, you put a little card, and the people around you have to try and give you clues of what it is, of what character you are. So if you were playing this game with Peter, and Peter was on the card, it would be quite tricky. Peter lived in a constant identity crisis. Before he came to Jesus, his name was Simon. And Simon was prone to outbursts of compulsive behavior and sometimes even violence. He was always the first to speak. Never in doubt, but often wrong. But when he met Jesus, Jesus changed his name to Peter, or Petros, meaning rock. So if you played headbands with this guy, if you played headbands with Simon, it would be like, hey, I'm impulsive and crazy and prone to stupid stuff. But if you played it with Peter, it would be, I am bold and courageous. If you played it with Simon, it would be, I am a coward who runs away at the hour of Jesus' crucifixion. But if you played it with Peter, it'd also be, I am the one who got to preach on the day of Pentecost, when thousands of souls boldly declared the name of Jesus in the face of opposition. What I'm trying to tell you is that God knows how to deal with your downside. Because here we see Peter's great faith, but we also see Simon's great fear. Jesus loved Peter through both of his personalities. I'm tired of people saying, even Christians, especially Christians, that they can't achieve the things that God has for them. That they can't achieve the greatness of God because of who they were. Well, what I'm telling you is that God knows how to deal with your downside. He loves you when you're on it, and he loves you when you're way off path. He loves you when you're standing boldly, and he loves you when you're hiding under the covers. He loves you when you are walking on waters, and he also loves you when you start to sink beneath the surface. God knows how to deal with your downside. So let's get into the scripture. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. It says this, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get into the boat. They were working so hard recently. This was just right after the feeding of the 5,000. There was a lot going on there, and they were working so hard. So Jesus, yes, he decides to send them 
on a vacation, on a cruise. He says, go and get into that boat. Immediately after this, after they had fed the 5,000, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up in the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was alone there. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind has risen, and they were fighting the heavy waters. A lot of times people will say, the safest place to be is in the will of God. Well, if the safest place to be is in the will of God, if people really believe that, that, hey, as long as I'm in the will of God, I'm not going to get hurt, nothing bad is going to happen, then why did Jesus send the disciples out there when he knew That a storm was going to come. He knew that the wind and waves were going to be against him. But Jesus is the one who sends them out into that storm. Jesus, the savior of the world, our protector and our provider, who just earlier multiplied fish and loaves to feed thousands, is now sending them into the storm. The reason I am pointing this out to you is that a lot of the times we think that when we get into a storm, that it's all because of Satan. That Satan is working against us. Just because something is hard does not mean that it's not of God. Again, just because something is hard does not mean that it's not of God. Sometimes we cause our own storms. Look at Jonah. He did the complete opposite of what God told him to do. Look at the children of Israel, the Israelites. The storms that they were facing because they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years was because they put themselves in that situation and they did not fully rely on God. Sometimes we cause our own storms through disobedience or our own dumb decision. Sometimes God sends us into a storm. You hear sometimes, never get ahead of God. Well, right here, Jesus sends them ahead of him. He says, go on out ahead of me. So again, when we say the safest place to be is in the will of God, it's not that nothing bad is going to happen to you. It's that when you get into that storm, God is going to protect you. What I like about the passage over in Mark, in Mark 6, 48 It says this, and when he saw them toiling and rowing, he knew that they were having a hard time. When he saw them rowing so hard, for the wind was contrary unto them. Again, just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not of God. Just because your marriage is hard and you don't feel God in it anymore doesn't mean that it's not of God. Just because the wind is against you doesn't mean you need to stop rowing. And it says, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came unto them walking into the sea. So they're out there. They're having a hard time. Jesus starts walking out. And it says in Mark, and he would have passed them by. A lot of people will just keep reading. They won't even think about that. But we need to stop right there and think for a second. Because we always hear that Jesus went out onto the waters 
to help the disciples. But here it says he was going to pass them by. He saw they were in trouble. He knew that he could do something about it. But he thought, I'm just going to keep walking. And I'll meet them on the other side. So I picked up another translation of the Bible. And it says he intended to pass them by. So he had all these plans on to keep walking. Maybe his mind was on other things, on walking on the water. Or, you know, he was fully God and fully man. Maybe his mind was on other things. But like it says, he was going to pass them by. But something happens that interrupts his plan A, and now he's going to plan B. So back to Matthew, verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Jesus was planning on meeting them on the other side. But they were afraid, and they cried out, and he stopped right there to calm his disciples. Is it possible that today the Holy Spirit is here among our country wanting us to cry out to him for help? See, what happens is we start saying things like, well, God is in control. God is the one who controls the storm and he's the one who heals and blesses and all that is true. But also God who is simultaneously in control is also being diverted by a response from the disciples. What I'm trying to say is don't underestimate the importance of our own initiative. Just because God has his plans doesn't mean he's not going to listen to us when we cry out. This is kind of like when Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after the resurrection. And they had no clue who it was. And then he's walking there with the two And it wasn't until after the sixth mile that he said, I am God and I am here to fulfill the plan of God. Right before he revealed himself to him, they acted. He acted as if he would go on with him. What I'm trying to say is, is it possible that God wants to reveal something to you through your storm? But maybe he wants you to cry out before he helps you. Let me say that again. Maybe it's possible that you're going through this storm because God wants you to cry out for his help. He wants to hear from you as his child. Jesus would have kept walking if the disciples would not have cried out, if they would not have said something to get the attention of the Savior. But here's the crazy part. They didn't even cry out in faith. They cried out in fear. And here is what it means to me, this part of the passage, the disciples crying out in fear. That it doesn't matter if I'm crying out in faith or if I'm crying out in fear. As long as I open my mouth for my father's needs, he is going to be so compassionate and he is so loving that he will do what is best for me to help me, to comfort me, to guide me, and to guard me. So here, the disciples are scared, and they cry out. And here is Jesus' response in Matthew, verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. 
be not afraid. If what Jesus wanted to do was to go out there and comfort the disciples, I think there would have been a lot better way for him to do it than to go out there at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning in the midst of a storm walking on the water. Because I'm telling you, if I was out there in a boat and we had just been up and we had just seen this awesome miracle and now we're tired and there's a storm and somebody starts coming, walking towards the boat. Yeah, I'm going to be a little scared, but that's just me. And the disciples were. When God comes to us, we always expect that he's going to come to us in a comfortable way. But it doesn't always happen that way. Look at the story of Moses in the burning bush. That wasn't something comforting. When Moses was walking by the bush and it's on fire and all of a sudden it starts to speak. God doesn't always come to us in a comfortable way. Will you recognize God when he comes to you in a way you don't expect him to? It's one thing to recognize God when he comes to you in the form of a blessing But what about when he comes to you in the form of pain or uncertainty? Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee unto the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Now, if I'm Peter and I think that it's Jesus, again, I don't think I'm going to be like, hey, God, if that's you. Tell me to come out to you, and I'm, I'm going to step out on this water. I'm going to walk out to you. I don't think I'm going to be asking for that sign. Some people, they're so direct, they're like, Lord, if you want me to have a job, then just supply a job by Monday by 3 o'clock. That's not the way it always works. God wants us to work for him. Lord, I know, I know you want me to have somebody, God. If, if you want me to get married, then send me the next person that walks through that door. Oh, God, never mind. Never mind. No, not that person. Not that person. God doesn't work like that. He doesn't work on our commands. Peter doesn't ask for a visible sign. He doesn't ask for an improvement in the condition. Say, God, if it's you, make this storm stop. No, Peter asked for something far more important than just a sign. He asks for a command. Peter didn't ask for this to be over. He didn't ask for a guarantee that if he stepped out there on that water that it would be okay. Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come. What if we stopped asking God for a guarantee and started asking God to tell us what to do? God, tell me what to do. I don't want to guarantee that when I step out that it's going to be okay. I just want you to tell me what to do. For one word, one word from Jesus' mouth. If it is you, Lord, tell me to do this. The only way to find out is to step out. To step out in faith. A lot of people watching know the story of how we got the church. Know the story from the beginning. It was such a step of faith 
from Pastor Todd, from the board, from the members. We had no idea what we were going to do. We sat down as a board. We hadn't even seen the inside of the building. We hadn't even stepped inside. The only thing we've seen were pictures on Facebook. And we said, all right, God, if this is your will, we will follow after you. It took a lot of faith for this church, for the people, again, for the board, for the pastor, to step out and say, we're going into the unknown. We don't know how we're going to make this possible, but we are doing it. The only way to find out how much faith you have is to step out. And Peter goes walking. And he's not really walking on the water. He's walking on a word. And that word is C-O-M-E. Come. And as long as he is working on that word, he was fine. But when he saw something that contradicted what Jesus had said, he started to slip. The same thing happens to you and the same thing happens to me. We get out there doing our thing for God. We're out there loving and forgiving. And then we take our eyes off of the prize. We take our eyes off of his word and off of his promise. I don't know if you've ever watched the shows like America's Funniest Home Videos or Rob Deerdeck has one called Ridiculousness or there's one on True TV called uh, uh, TV, True TV's Dumbest Criminals or Dumbest extreme stunts and a lot of them are people doing crazy things and they end up failing and falling down and i don't know why we like to watch people falling down but i'll admit i do we love watching afv i love watching the little fail army thing on youtube and facebook we like to watch people falling down as long as it's not us and as long as they're pretty much okay But in every segment of these shows, there's always somebody doing something really stupid and really daring. I've seen one where this guy was on a house, and he was going to jump off and do a backflip into a truck that was passing by. But what he didn't think, that the truck was moving, and he was going to be stationary as he came down. And he ended up falling down. When we were younger, me and my brothers, we used to do a lot of crazy and I guess I'd say borderline stupid stuff. So we would do car surfing where we'd climb up on top of the car roof and stand on it as it was driving or we'd lay down and grab on. But there was always that one friend who goes, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. But he would never get out of the car and do it himself. He was always in there in the safety of the car. And that's kind of like the other disciples in the boat. Now, unfortunately, we never had a video camera growing up, so we couldn't, we couldn't ever film all this. But I'm pretty sure the other disciples were like, go ahead, Peter, go ahead, do it. And as soon as Peter stepped out, they're like, when's he going to fall? He's going to fall. He can't make it all the way out to Jesus. This event of Jesus walking on the water is also recorded in Matthew Mark and John. Well, if you turn over to John, John is the disciple 
he often referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. Well, if you turn over to John, John is kind of arrogant. He never told the fact that Peter stepped out onto the water. He never recorded that fact. All he did was say that there was a storm and Jesus came out walking on the water and calmed the storm and everything was fine. And that's probably because John was like our friend who was in the car standing there. Go ahead, Peter. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. I dare you. Go ahead. Waiting for Peter to fall so he could say, yep, see, see, Jesus, Peter didn't have enough faith. But I do. I do, Jesus. But John didn't even step out. John didn't even take a step of faith. But Peter knew that as long as he kept walking on that one word of come, that everything would be okay. But he also knew that if he didn't make it and that he fell, that he knew that Jesus, his master, loved him so much that he would save him. Maybe this isn't such a story of Peter, the disciple who fell. Maybe this is a story of the other dudes who never got out of the boat. The other dudes who never had enough faith to take a step. The other dudes who sat there waiting for somebody else to fail and to fall. Back to the scripture. Verse 28 and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, when he saw the wind was so strong, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And he immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. And he held Peter down under the water for 30 seconds. He said, why are you so stupid? Don't take your eyes off me. What are you thinking? No. It says, immediately he reached out his hand and caught him. The point of this passage, maybe is to not demonstrate the weakness of Peter's faith. But maybe the greatness of God's Amazing grace. There is a song we used to sing growing up. It says, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace that is greater than my failure. Grace that is greater than my divorce, greater than my bankruptcy, greater than the layoff, greater than the addiction, greater than the slip up, greater than the mess up, greater than the options of people telling you in the back of the boat, whatever they tell you. Don't let anyone in the boat with a phone filming you while you're walking out on the water, while you're walking in the storm, while you keep stepping. You have a God who knows how bad the storm is. You have a God who has inspector gadget arms and he can reach down and pick you up anytime he wants and grab you and pull you up and restore you. Peter failed at what he set out to do. But Jesus succeeded 
at exactly what he intended to prove. We always think that the proof was God was in something, God is in something, is the success that comes out of it. But here we see Jesus clearly told Peter to come. Jesus knew that that was going to end in failure. Jesus knew that Peter was going to sink, but he said, come to me. He knew that it wasn't going to work out, but yet he still commanded Peter to do something that he knew would end in failure. Why does God allow us to enter a relationship that he knows is going to end in failure? Why does God allow you to set you out to achieve something that he knows is going to end in failure? And I believe the answer is found in verse 31. It says, Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and he caught him and said unto me, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? People beat up Peter all the time. And they say, Peter, if you just would have had a little bit more faith, you could have made it. Well, we have to remember a few chapters back, Jesus went to his own hometown and couldn't perform any miracles because of their lack of faith. People say all the time, Peter, if you would have had a little more faith. Well, those people who normally say that are the people who can't even get out of bed in the morning to have a quiet time with God. We have no room to judge Peter on his lack of faith. Because at least Peter stepped out. How many of us have ever felt God telling us to do something? Telling us to step out in faith. Telling you, hey, I want you to start this ministry. I want you to do this in your church. But yet, we sit comfortably in that boat. And we bash Peter's lack of faith. But we're not doing what God has commanded us to do ourselves. I don't believe that Jesus is questioning the quality or the quantity of Peter's faith. It's the duration of Peter's faith. Peter's faith was working. He had enough faith. It just stopped. So maybe the point isn't, why does our faith fail? Maybe the point is, why does our faith stop? The point of this message, and when I read this text, is not to have more faith. It's not that we need more faith all the time. It's just that when our faith begins to fail, when our faith begins to slip, or when you do not succeed at something that you started at, you start to fall to be close enough to Jesus. That he is going to pick you up. Jesus as your harness. He's going to hold us up in those times that we start to fail. I knew a guy back in Bible college. He had one of these really nice big old life application Bibles. And he always kept it in the box. The box that it came in. So one day I asked him like, why do you always keep the Bible in the box? He said, you know, I had a few Bibles over the years. Ones that were falling apart. Ones that were all highlighted up. But I keep this one in the box because my goal is to live a mistake-free life. It's kind of the opposite 
of what is going to happen. And it's kind of the opposite of what Jesus intends for us. If we live a mistake-free life, if we, ever, if we never mess up, then how are we going to rely on God? I heard someone speaking one time on new churches. He said, failure is not an option for new or any churches, but it is a necessity. It is a necessity that churches sometimes fail at things. It is a necessity in our life to fail at things. Because if we don't fail, then how are we ever going to rely on the goodness of God? If every decision we make is the best decision and we prosper at everything, how are we going to rely on God? How are we going to look to him for guidance? On the surface, this passage is about a man who doubted that he could do it. But on a deeper level, it comes to the next verse. Verse 32. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Why did Jesus wait till they got back into the boat to stop the storm? As soon as Peter got out there and he picked him up, why didn't he stop the storm then? Maybe he wanted Peter to have another shot at the whole water walking thing. God will never leave you in your failure. The disciples knew that Jesus was a provider, but they also needed to learn that Jesus was a protector. And in order to know that, in order to know that Jesus is a protector, in order to know that he is a shelter in the time of storm, you need to go through a storm. Here's the cool thing about Peter. Peter didn't brag about being out on the water. You know how I know this? Because if we look at the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark in this account was written from Peter telling Mark what to write. And in Mark 6, it says this, And straightway he can strained his disciples to go into the ship to the other side. And he sent the people away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on land. And he saw them toiling in a row, for the winds were contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came unto them walking in the sea. And he would have passed them by. But when, he saw, but when they saw him walking under the sea, they thought it was a spirit, and they cried out, for they all saw him and they were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. And he went into the ship and the winds ceased. So in this passage that Mark is writing, that Mark got from Peter himself. Peter himself told Mark this story. What's missing? What's missing is Peter stepping out onto the water. I don't know about you, but if I had walked on water, if I would have been Peter and I would have stepped out like that, I would have been bragging about it all the time. I would have been saying the winds were 10, the waves were 10 feet high. There were sharks swimming all around. Man, I did such a good job walking on that water. But here, 30 years later in prison, Peter finally learned something about himself. 
that it was never about him. He finally learned that we were in the middle of a storm and Jesus comforted us and he stopped the storm. He said, write that down, Mark. Write that down. One last passage before I close. First Peter. First Peter chapter one. And you know, Peter. Jesus said to Peter, I am with you. Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm with you. No matter what happens. No matter what happens, Jesus, my faith is not going to fail again. And Peter did lose his faith again. Not just once. Not just twice. But three times before that rooster crowed. Peter lost faith again. He lost faith because he wasn't close enough to Jesus. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead of you, and even though you may endure trials for a while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So my question today is, not how much faith do you have, but how long is your faith going to last? Through these uncertain times that we have today, with these viruses going around, with people being laid off, jobs stopping, and all the craziness that is going on outside. How long is your faith going to last? Again, sometimes these storms are meant to bring us closer to God. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy in the midst of a storm because it's definitely not. It's definitely not easy when you're facing a storm or facing hardship. But what I do want to let you know is that no matter what, God says, I am with you, even into the end of the world. So how strong is your faith? Are you able to wake up every morning and say, God, I'm putting my faith in you? And not just say it, but to truly mean it. To truly live it out. The only way to make your faith stronger is to grow closer to God. The only way to grow closer to God is through time with Him, through meditation on His Word through conversation with God, through conversation with fellow believers, through building up one another, through admitting to each other what you're struggling with and how can you help me. So today my plead to you is to put your faith in God.
in these hard times. It's not easy. But in the end, it's worth it. So as we close, we're going to close with a song exalting him. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. Your great grace. The grace that you give us every single day when we wake up. Father God, build our faith. In the storms, let us look to you for comfort. Let us look to you for guidance. Let us rely on you no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens. Help us to put our faith fully in you. Not just in word, but in action. We ask this in your name.